Thanks to Indeed for supporting the AppleBits XL. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through April 30th. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 213. If this is your first time here, this is a show where we talk about all the biggest Apple headlines for the week and the greater tech world as a whole. If you've been here before and you keep on coming back, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's always a pleasure to be here. We've got some new WWDC news. We have some iPhone stuff as usual and baseball coming to Apple TV Plus. Finally, it's official. Yeah, it's all happening in this show. Also, I do have the Mac Studio. I've actually been talking and bringing some people in to help me evaluate. And when I say bring people in, um, just a sneak peek, if you've seen my Instagram or Twitter, Andy Park, the director of visual development for Marvel Studios, came in to check out the Mac Studio and how it might affect his workflow. So his thoughts are going to be in my review video. Look, I got it a little later, so I wanted to kind of give some actual real-world perspective for the people that this machine is targeting and then how it scales down for other users instead of just giving my tech opinion, which does matter. But I think this is one of those devices that how practical is it for your workflow? That's really what matters, and that's what's going to make it compelling. And quite honestly, the price point for a machine like this is not really made for the general consumer. I think that's why after Apple's recent announcements, um, the buzz hasn't really lasted because these products, iPhone SE, we've seen it before, uh, iPad Air 5th generation, a nice update, and then the Mac Studio, may, that's not really a product for everyone. So you know what? I really wanted to take my time. I didn't think it'd really make a difference. I got a little later. And so I'm going to bring something new to the table. And I don't watch anyone's reviews because I just don't want any of their ideas stuck in my head. And also, all this chatter about the studio display, I think um, it's completely over-exaggerated. And people that didn't even own one or get one or maybe are perceiving it in a certain way have completely like skewed what it is because I still think it's actually quality if you're in the Apple ecosystem, and if you want to spend $15.99 uh, starting for it. But I know not everyone wants to, so that that's probably part of it as well. All right, this show also is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support the show starting at $2 per month. We've got $5, which is like a cup of coffee, if that's the value that I bring to you every month. The $10, the $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level, you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. You don't hear any of this in the ad-free version of the show through patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's start off with the big announcements this week, and Apple officially came out to tell us that, hey, WWDC 22, or Dub Dub 22, will be officially on June 6th through the 10th, they didn't officially announce a keynote, but we know, at least historically, the keynote will most likely happen on June the 6th that morning. I, in fact, didn't even check my calendar. I'm assuming that June the 6th is a Monday. It is a Monday. I just pulled it up while we're talking. So that day will be when we see all the latest announcements from Apple in regards to WWDC. Now, in the press 
a release from Apple. The theme of the event is called Call to Code. You go to their website, you see it right there. Apple themselves says WWDC 22 will showcase the latest innovations in iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, and tvOS while giving developers access to Apple engineers and technologies to learn how to create groundbreaking apps and interactive experiences. Now, I want to set your expectations here because last year at WWDC, we did not see a single piece of hardware. And some people were annoyed and disappointed by that. I think that's going to hold true this year as well. I do not expect or think that we will see any type of major hardware or next generation upgrades at WWDC. And the reason I say that is also based on all the rumors that we've been talking about for the past three or four months, all of their products seem to be lined up to be coming the second half of the year. The M2 MacBook Air that everyone is drooling about is reportedly coming sometime in the second half of the year. AirPods Pro 2, been a lot of chat around those, recently said, reported to come out the second half of 2022. Uh, iPad Pro, new one with an M2, second half of 2022. And also, you think if they do announce the new M2 chip, which is expected to be a little faster than the M1 and a little more efficient, which is all good, it's gonna add up, but it's not gonna be that gigantic monumental leap in technology now. We're talking about where the M1 had roughly an eight-core CPU. The M2 will still, not roughly, had an eight-core CPU. The M2 will also have an eight-core CPU. The difference will be that the M2 is based on the new four nanometer process in manufacturing, so it makes it more energy efficient, and it should also allow it to expend less power and also run more efficiently as a chip overall. The other thing is that the M2 chip is expected to have a nine or 10 core GPU option versus the M1 that has a seven or eight core GPU option. So it will be a better performing chip, but it won't be a groundbreaking chip, if that makes sense. I mean, the M1 was the groundbreaker. So we're gonna see some incremental increases in some overall better efficiencies in the M2. And if they announce an M2, they're not going to announce it without any M2 hardware. I just don't see that. And if you look at this roster, iOS, iPadOS, MacOS, watchOS, and tvOS, we still haven't even talked about Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Fitness+, Plus, Apple One, and then which includes News+, Plus, Apple Music, um, everything, iCloud storage. So... There's Apple from a services standpoint, and also Apple might even announce a new leasing service where we had talked about the potential of you being able to pay a monthly fee to own Apple hardware, not limited to the iPhone, but potentially other hardware. So they have so much going on for them when it comes to services that there is just not room for hardware at WWDC 22. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think that they're going to stick with this and it's going to be an all software event. There's two other aspects of this. Um, In the mention on the website of the announcement, there was a note in there that said, in addition to an online conference, because remember, this is going to be completely digital. This will not be held at a conference or convention center uh, like Moscone or anywhere. This is all digital. But there's a note in this release that says, in addition to the online conference, Apple will host a special day for developers and students 
at Apple Park on June 6 to watch the keynote and State of the Union videos together along with the online community. So there will be at least a small gathering. They say also that space will be limited and details about how to apply to attend will be provided on the Apple developer site and app soon. So they're going to have a, a mini gathering. I, I've i got to expect if things continue to go as they go, that 2023 will be the first, at least WWDC, that we see in person. But again, I think the biggest thing that will kind of spark Apple to do in person is whenever that Apple headset comes out, that is something that we as reviewers and tech reviewers have got to try. The other kind of cool thing about WWDC is also they're going to have the Swift Student Challenge. If you've seen the logo of the invite, it is the logo of the Swift app development. And uh, it looks like like a bird. Uh, also, it the, the way they promoted this really looks like Hunger Games type. Like I got Hunger Game vibes when I see it. It's cool, but I swear I'm just like hearing that whistle and I'm holding up three fingers for Rue. I volunteer as tribute, right? So the Swift Student Challenge, this is going to be their long-standing support of students around the world who love to code. This year, they want them to showcase their passion for coding by creating an incredible Swift Playgrounds app project on the topic of your choice, and the winners will receive exclusive WWDC outerwear, a customized pin set, and one year of membership in the Apple Developer Program. So they're fostering you know, that next generation of programmers. Really incredible. All right, so we stick with that officially WWDC June 6th through June 10th, the keynote on June 6th. And obviously, I kind of talked about in my video, when I look at that roster of iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, and tvOS, I want to see the biggest changes in iPadOS, which really just got widgets on their main screens and not on the sidebar, and a new user experience for uh, multitasking. There just really wasn't that much that happened to iPadOS. And we've got M1s in multiple models. Like iPadOS needs to show me more this year at WWDC. Also for me, watchOS, other than really getting some new Fitness Plus features, if you're a Fitness Plus user, I don't use my Apple Watch any differently at all. And we've been begging for this. This will be kind of like what, year two and a half or year three? Better sleep tracking, more detailed, integrated into the OS. Um, and I know there's plenty of third-party apps that do this, but of those five OSs, I'd like to see a refresh tvOS too, quite honestly. It's not that it feels super stale, but I would like kind of a fresh coat of paint on that and maybe kind of a little more modernized um, UI as well. Those are my wishes. Again, I don't make this stuff, and I'm not smart enough to make this stuff, so I'm not going to say that I know everything, but I think that's where I'm feeling the most because also iOS and macOS literally just got features within the past month that were announced at WWDC, like universal control, where you can scroll and connect like your Mac to an iPad and use the screens. That just finally dropped uh, about a month before WWDC 22. So, you know, they've got features that have taken a while that they announced last year and finally came. So I'd I don't, I, I would, I'm going to anticipate if there's anything that's going to kind of be a little more low key. It might be Mac OS and maybe iOS, but we'll see. No hardware though. No hardware. Now I talked about third-party apps that are better, at least when it comes to doing things on the Apple Watch. So there's been a controversy and a lot of buzz, and I don't want to call it a narrative, but it's definitely, you know, affected the 
good standing or goodwill of the app store and how they people believe they tend to promote Apple apps over others. It's always like, oh, the Apple option versus others. So in order to kind of try to nip this narrative in the bud, Apple commissioned a study to specifically highlight the success of third-party developers in the App Store because of these concerns that people are saying, hey, uh, you're prioritizing Apple apps and the dominance of Apple's apps and its devices are taking away opportunities from third parties, as well as kind of some of this pressure that, hey, uh, are you going to ever open up iOS to help us sideload and give us alternate App Store options? Well, we know that that's, unless something legally happens, that's really a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. So what Apple did is they wanted to focus on the facts of of this, you know, this whole idea that Apple is skewing it towards them. Now, the first part of their study focused on the number of ways that developers can reach consumers outside of the App Store. So they're saying, hey, it's not just the App Store that you can promote your things. There's non-iOS devices, there's smartphones, there's PCs, there's consoles, and other things like that. Okay, I get it. Now, the second part of this study focuses on the growth of the App Store over time. Now, there are now roughly 1.8 million apps. And what percentage of those apps do you think are third-party apps compared to Apple apps. And yes, I know they're, they're kind of some junk stuff on there too, but I'm going to give you the number, let you marinate on it for a second. 99.9% of apps on the App Store are third-party apps. Apple just has 60 apps that are competing with third-party apps based on this study. Now, the final part of the study focuses on, okay, well, even if that's the case, hey, Apple, you promote a lot of stuff. Well, they wanted to focus on the fact that there's a breadth of third-party apps that are available not only as alternatives to Apple-created apps, but there's many categories of third-party apps that Apple doesn't play in at all, like social networks or food apps or travel planning apps or uh, trail hike apps or dating service apps. You know, third-party apps are are sometimes the only option because Apple doesn't compete in these categories. Of course, Apple competes in like the biggest categories, but it also wanted to point out that, hey, uh, you know, Apple's apps, even if they're there, they aren't necessarily the most popular. So for example, if you look at communication and they they cover them across countries, at least in the US, Snapchat and Facebook Messenger were the top two. Snapchat had a 0.4 times greater percentage of people that have that are using the Snapchat ad. If you look at music, um, something like Spotify is 1.6 more times popular than Apple Music and is the number one music app uh, right now. Number one and number two are Spotify and Pandora Music. If you're talking about maps, I mean, let's be honest, Apple Maps has such a big hill to climb, but Apple Maps is really good now, especially when it's integrated with the Apple Watch. But if you're talking about maps, uh, Google Maps is what, roughly 1.5 times more popular than Apple. And then Waze, which is also a Google app now, is 0.3 times more popular than Apple. But those are the first top two in the US, at least. There's some, I have the others in other countries. If you're talking about streaming content and TV, Netflix is number one. How much more popular do you think it is than Apple TV Plus? If Google Maps is 1.5 times more popular, and if Spotify is 1.6 more times popular, um, I'll tell you, Netflix is 17 times more popular than Apple TV Plus. I mean, 
of obviously I, I how about this i didn't expect to be 17 times what i would have expected to be at least like five or ten times more popular but 17 times more popular than apple tv plus hulu is 3.2 times more popular than apple tv plus um and then if you talk about book apps you have um i'm not even familiar with this app but it looks like it's called Weightpad, and then uh the kindle app Weightpad is 5.3 times more popular kindle's 4.5 now i get it Apple saying, "Hey, look, third-party companies, um, you're you're you are more popular, and Apple typically are rarely the most popular app of a particular type. And I think that there's another thing that's a part of this. Word of mouth is very important. So no matter how much Apple promotes their own apps or right there, I think it's hard to avoid it because they're just so visible in the ecosystem. It's what you're." phone and tablet and computer are loaded with so naturally people can use them but yes in those other categories there apple is not the leading most popular app and that's fine like it shouldn't be i think that apple just wanted to kind of temper this narrative and this app does show that um but it still doesn't mean that you know apple still has power to promote what they want and i think what's more for me, I stopped looking at when the App Store got reconfigured, and it does look nicer and cleaner, but from a recommendation standpoint, it's like, oh, clearly, if you have money to pay for sponsorship, you're going to be those first five or six big fat tiles in the Apple App Store, whereas before, it was really dense, and you, you saw a lot of different categories and different apps. You just don't see as many presented to you, specifically through iPhone and iPad, and so I stopped caring about recommendations because I just felt like it was so super sponsored, curated that I just didn't like it anymore. So if you want to check it out, Apple published this report on their own website. Uh, if you go to apple.com slash newsroom, that's where they put out other releases. Uh, you can check it out. And this is from the analysis group uh, working in partnership with Apple. Just a couple things before we uh, move over to some other news in regards to the app kind of ecosystem. Apple just recently updated iWork for apps for the Mac specifically, and iOS with new features. You've got Keynote, which is arguably, in my opinion, for my use, is one of the most underrated Apple apps. I think Keynote is brilliant. I think it's sexy. It looks good. It's simple to use. I use it all the time. Even with like some of my graphics on my videos, um, I use Keynote. You'll, you'll see them. It's like pretty obvious, and it looks clean, and it gets to the point. Um, but on iOS, Keynote now features an option to enlarge slides to maximum zoom level 400, there's a new feature for editing font size more precisely with up to two decimal places. And on the Mac, uh, the Shortcuts app can be used to create or open presentations, rehearse a slideshow, or start presenting. Um, numbers can now copy a snapshot of table cells with formulas and incorporate them. On Mac, Shortcuts can be used to create open spreadsheets. I think that on the Mac, it's really more integration with Shortcuts, but you have to kind of use Shortcuts. So check out you know the new improvements there. Obviously, they are free updates. Um, and they're on the App Store and the Mac Store. And then one thing that I never thought I'd, I guess I stopped caring, but HBO Max is updating their Apple TV app with new features and improved stability. I would say the app that crashes me the most on Apple TV is absolutely HBO Max. I don't know if you guys use it, guys, use it all but it does. Uh, the updated app is said to look similar to the original version. It'll feature a new main screen, a new scrollable hero banner, a new binge mode, um, the ability to skip credits and automatically jump to the next episode in a series. Uh, let's just say uh, a la Netflix. 
and then a simplified account signup and experience. But uh, HBO Max is in my roster of one of those services that for me, I got to have, got to have. It's it's incredible. I love it. I love the content on there. All right. Let's take a moment and say thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, hunting down answers to your questions can be rewarding, but when it comes to hiring, you don't always have as much time as you'd like to spend finding great candidates with the right skills. That's why there's Indeed, the best hiring partner that you can get. Now, if you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent first. Now, the feature that I've got to recommend the most that is going to literally save you time if you're looking for help is Instant Match. You know, our time is precious and Instant Match will do exactly what it sounds like. It will instantly match and save you time. With Instant Match, over 90 percent of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post according to indeed data candidates you invite to apply through instant match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search so start hiring right now with a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash applebits offer valid through april 30th go to indeed.com slash applebits to claim your 75 dollars credit before april 30th Indeed.com slash Applebits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get back to the stories. And I will say um, that catch line, you need Indeed. I said that like the first time I ever read their read for fun. And I'm just saying, I think it might have caught on with them. All right, let's talk about some device stuff here. We've moved on past WWDC. I think it's going to be exciting and fun. I mean, I always love software because it really is what changes our devices and shows us, kind of gives us a little inkling and indication of maybe how Apple is thinking for what they want to incorporate in the future of their devices. Um, We've talked about the iPhone 14 Pro rumored wide camera to be a 48 megapixel camera last week. We're still going to talk about it a little bit because, yes, it's been another report from Chinese social media site Weibo that says, Not only will it be a 48 megapixel camera, it's expected to feature a 21% wider sensor for these images. Now with a wider sensor, the device's sensor said to be one and 1.3 inches in width, that's a 21.2% increase. And in an increase in sensor size, also requires a larger lens to then capture more light. So what this could mean is, as we've seen reports, maybe there's a larger rear camera array to incorporate a larger lens for this larger sensor. And as a result of this increase in megapixels, the iPhone 14 Pro's wide camera pixels will be smaller, reportedly measuring at 1.22 micron pixels. This is a reduction of 0.68 compared to the 13 Pro and the 13 Pro Max. What you're basically getting is larger, higher resolution images with finer details, but 
there there could be a risk of uh not as impressive or not as good lower light performance and maybe images that are more susceptible to noise at the same time because of this dynamic i apple's camera has always been one of the top performers i'm sure they're going to do what they need to do so that the drop off i don't think the drop off is going to be significant at all uh we know apple in some cases can arguably be depending on you know every camera performs differently but overall as a system is arguably one of the best i mean i'm still really geeking out and always have been on the S22 Ultra 10X True Optical Zoom. It started on the S21 Ultra. No one really talked about it, which I thought was like mind-boggling. It makes such a difference in how you compose and create shots, and it looks really good. So um, Apple is not expected to get any type of periscope lens to do that. So they still have a ways to catch up in that aspect. But from an image quality standpoint, you know, when you talk about the top phones, Apple's right there. And then especially if you talk about their video quality, uh, they're right there at the top. The other thing about this 48 megapixel camera, obviously, is 8K video is expected to be part of this equation. And then you talk about why do we need 8K video? Well, it doesn't mean we need it. I think eventually we will go towards that direction. But you know what product needs it? The Apple AR VR headset. That and taking your own videos, knowing that the iPhone is expected to be the brains that's going to handle all the CPU computing that goes to this potential Apple headset, 8K video and high-resolution photos makes more and more sense as they line things up. And who knows if this thing's going to be a success? I don't really know. It won't be it when if it really does come out at a roughly $2,000 price point, but we'll wait and see. Apple also may be planning to introduce a two-port 35-watt USB-C charger in the new future based on leak support documents that were discovered by 9to5Mac. It was apparently only on Apple's site for a brief time, but there was a clear mention of this unreleased charger. Apple currently has a 30-watt power adapter, but this was listed as a 35-watt charger that would power a wide range of Apple devices from MacBook Air to iPads, iPhones, Apple Watch, and HomePod um, for the iPhone and the iPad, it would be powerful enough to accommodate fast charging as well. And the big thing here, it specifically mentioned dual USB-C port power adapter. Now we know there's a bunch of companies out there that have already released dual charging power adapters, USB-C with fast charging, but this would be the first time that Apple gets in the game. Um, We don't know if it'll launch or when it will. It could possibly be the GAN power adapter that Apple um, analyst Ming-Chi Kuo talked about that they were working on early in March. There's still plenty of them out there from multiple companies like uh, Anchor and Spigen and others. So yes, the Apple brand matters, but I think people that have caught on to this already are using them. And the fast charging on those are incredible. Apple suppliers are preparing for their first OLED iPad in 2024, followed by an OLED MacBook in 2025. So we have different display providers, Samsung Display, LG Display, and if you haven't heard, uh, China's BOE technology is another display provider, and they are the ones that are expected to prepare and supply Apple with their OLED displays for future iPad and MacBook models. So they will be building a Gen 8.6 OLED display panel production line. That is not a 8.6-inch OLED display. That is the type the generation of the type of factory and production line building these. So it's called Gen 8.6. 
Now, if you look at that, uh, company rivals like Samsung Display and LG Display that Apple has partnered with in the past, they're supplying, they're planning to be supplying Apple with OLED panels for future iPads and MacBooks as well, but they're using a Gen 6 production line for their first OLED panels for iPads. So what does that mean? Well, a Gen 8.5 production line, maybe there's a typo here. Maybe it's a Gen 8.5 and not a Gen Gen 8.6. But anyways, the Gen 8.5 production line yields more OLED panels per substrate than Gen 6 lines. So therefore, it's more cost-effective. And then BOE is also testing a two-stack tandem OLED technology that can offer increased brightness and longevity. So these would be obviously more suitable for things like the iPads and the MacBooks that are being used for longer periods of times than smartphones are. So it it's an inevitability that Apple will eventually move to OLED. It's not happening anytime soon when we're talking about their larger um, display products. And mini, mini LED is great. I'm going to tell you, most people are like, oh, I love mini LED. But if you look at the blooming and the black levels, OLED is still king. So we'll see how that tracks out. Again, it's a kind of a very way ahead of time report, but 2024, it'll be here sooner than you expect. Apple also continues to dominate teens buying preferences, growing their lead over competitors like Venmo and Rolex. So they're talking about a new survey with data gathered by investment firm Piper Sandler for its most recent biannual teen survey. Now, according to this report, there were 87% of surveyed teens in the U.S. that now own an iPhone, and 87% of them expect their next smartphone to be an iPhone. That's pretty massive. In addition, 72% of these teens already owned AirPods. All right, the ecosystem, when you talk about the ecosystem and its power, that you see it right there. Not only do they have an uh, iPhone, not only do they have AirPods, they're planning to get their next phone to also be an iPhone. Also, we talk about Apple Watch ownership, which is typically kind of hovered around a 25, 30-ish percent mark. Apple Watch ownership amongst teens that were surveyed is reaching now 37%, up from 34% last fall. 14% of teens now intend to buy an Apple Watch within the next six months, according to this survey. And Apple Watch is now overwhelmingly the most popular watch brand among upper-income teens, with 42% of those upper-income teens saying that the Apple Watch is their favorite watch brand. Um, They've overtaken Rolex in the mines of young people as well. Um, And if you look at this, as of spring of 2022, the Apple Watch in this ranking and surveys of popularity amongst these brands Rolex is at 33%, Garmin at 2%, Fossil at 2%, Apple at uh, 42%. So Apple, then Rolex, then Garmin, which is a huge gap, and then Fossil at 2%. Apple Pay also is still the most popular payment service amongst teens, capturing 23% of Apple mobile payments, well ahead of Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. Um, 87% of teens own an iPhone, so it is easy. If it's right there, it's pretty easy. Um, They asked 7,100 teens with an average age of 16.2 years old and the median household income of $69,000 about their purchasing habits. Um, Those were, that was the pool of people that they did. And this survey has been ongoing since 2001. So you kind of get a lot of good perspective on how young people are thinking and how it all lines up. 
All right, today also, I'm I'm gonna get off this podcast, and I can't wait to check this out. Apple officially introduces Friday Night Baseball. It's starting this Friday, which is April eighth, only on Apple TV Plus. Um, Apple describes it as Friday Night Baseball games and additional content, including new exclusive programs. That will begin today on the Apple TV app. Uh, They have an all-new broadcast team. Former San Francisco giant Hunter Pence is one of the analysts. Uh, There are two games at least starting for this Friday. But what I thought was interesting is that they talk about how the presentation will be. Again, I'm going to run right after this and check it out. Um, According to this press release, it's going to be produced by the MLB Network's Emmy Award winning production team. It will offer a modern and dynamic broadcast experience to appeal to new viewers and veterans. Each game broadcast will employ state-of-the-art cameras, high-speed phantoms, high resolu- the high-resolution Megalodon, and more throughout the season to prevent vivid live action shots. It'll offer an immersive 5.1 with spatial audio for Friday Night Baseball. It'll incorporate new on-screen graphics, new innovative, uh, new probability-based forecasts of different situational outcomes, plus highlights, live look-ins from around the league. Um, it just feels like they're going to kind of throw us some more of this cool data that we can see. Also, throughout the broadcast, fans can enjoy on-screen calls by the batter's walk-up songs from Apple Music, test their knowledge of bat- baseball trivia with the help of Siri, and more. Uh, there's also going to be rules, analysis, interpretation from former Major League umpire Brian Gorman. When I think of this, and I see all this, I want Apple to do NBA as well. Like, oh my god. If this is as like informational as like I don't think it's too overwhelming, but it just sounds like hey, they actually are. When someone says, "Oh, we're modernizing the broadcast," this might this might be more modern. So I'm gonna check it out and hope that you all at home can check it out and just see like, hey, did it did it do what we expected it to do? Was it a better experience? Was it the same? Do we like it? I think it's really exciting. So Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV Plus exclusively, and I believe it's two games that are gonna have other programs programming throughout the year, but uh, just worth checking out. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hey, we always got to show love to our Platinum Apples at the $100 Patreon support level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg, thank you so much for your incredible support. And thank you to all of you who keep all my content going. Uh, you are all amazing. And right now, it's it's kind of weird. It feels like we know so much and these rumors are so ahead that, again, we're kind of in this transition like, oh, let's just... Let's just wait and see what happens. But I still got my Mac Studio uh, review coming, and it's going to be different because I'm making sure that it's different. And again, I haven't seen other reviews, so I don't know how different it will be, but I really try to be like, hey, let's offer different perspectives other than just mine, which will probably align with a lot of other tech reviewers. So uh, that is coming very soon. But thanks so much for hanging out with us. You know, come on back. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.